0: Welcome to the Big mx Radio podcast, brought to you by Medterra CBD. You can go to medterracbd.com right now and enter discount code bigmxradio Radio 20 to save 20% off every single one of the orders that you make at medterracbd.com. You can use that code every day of the week. They'll never turn you away to save 20% off CBD product from Medterra CBD. I am your host, Brad gephardt This podcast is ultra bra- also brought to you by the collective experience, the collectivexp.com, is where you need to go to sign up for an extra special experience at the motocross races. Unlike anything that you'll experience anywhere else in North America, the races come to your neck of the woods, maybe once, twice a year, max, unless you live in Texas, apparently seize the day and seize the opportunity to go behind the velvet rope and experience supercross the way that mechanics, crew chiefs and racers do with the collective experience go there today you can also follow them on instagram at the collective ex we now present to you on the line tonight we have the sole proprietor and the big boss with the hot sauce over at the collective experience goes by the name of dave drakes dave how's it going
1: what's up brad silly season i'm amped i'm excited i'm ready to uh kind of lay down some of my thoughts and opinions and finally get chatting about motocross and supercross because i'm itching can't ride so this is the closest thing i have to the scene right now
0: fair (laughs) enough um i think you might need to uh to go and uh, get that looked at if you are dealing with some sort of an itch but uh in um (laughs) that aside we're going to talk about supercross and i know you're excited but the first uh the first item we have on the docket is rather a sad one uh, is that the JGR MX It has closed its doors. But before we get to that, that was a bit of a tease. For those who want to listen to that, you're going to have to wait. Because first and foremost, we need to talk about the only racing series that's happening right now. That's none other than the Hoosier Tire Arena Cross Nationals. The weekend dropped this last weekend, the first round, first and second round, Friday and Saturday, uh, with uh, Kevin Morans, who's on the podcast earlier this morning. Uh, talking about uh, how he went one, 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 just a big old, just laying in the wood to everybody. Pretty impressive he was able to do that. Um, but uh, there's a brand new team in town, the ATC Flipside Racing Program, and uh, they've got a pretty interesting look. I, I, I believe I've seen that color scheme somewhere before. I you got to know that the collective experience is working with them. Tell me about it.
1: Uh, yeah, man. This is one of the most exciting projects or undertakings that I've been able to connect the collective collective experience to. So Jeff Crutcher, um friend of me, me and you, uh, Rip and Ruts, buddy, uh, we got yep, yeah, Rip and Ruts on Instagram. Dude's awesome. Um, decided the Hoosier Arena Cross series, which at that point I had no idea what was going on with it, and um, he wanted to do something a little bit different. He wanted to make his Arena Cross presence look like a like a pro supercross presence, you know, whenever we think of Arena Cross, we think it's small bore, uh, you know, uh two fifty cc one twenty five, no one's really there, tight, tight tracks, small venue. But um the way that Jeff is deciding to do it, it's it's all the time Man, his pit presence is so phenomenal. The 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 bikes they're riding look so great. The the amount of sponsors they're able to amass, the hype around their team, they're doing it do so well, so professional, and the presentation is key, and their number one thing is actually giving back to their supporters, sponsors, and uh, so it's something we can get behind. So uh, I decided to, you know, hook up with them and and get the TCE partnered up with uh, with Jeff Kretcher and the ATC Flipside team, and we're, you know, we're, we're giving fans from all over the opportunity to come and work for the ATC Flipside team and, and get their hands dirty, get hands-on immersive experience that, like you said before, you really can't get anywhere else. Uh, and, and the great part about Jeff's, um, Jeff's program is that it's a two-day event, so you're going to be there for two days working with his team, and they're, they're going to do such an awesome job at at fostering great connections and relationships for every intern, and um, he's going to do letters of recommendation for people, get them the right context that they need to pursue a career or go farther with whatever they want to do in the industry. So it's, um, it, it's pretty incredible, man. I'm really pumped to be a part of it, excited to see how these guys do for the season, and um, yeah, we finally have some, some sort of racing after the, the outdoor break, so this, this is exciting, and I, I think I talked to you, Brad, um, a couple of weeks ago, that this is one of the more exciting, like, arena cross happenings that, that I've I kind of, like, seen or been a part of since the old school arena cross dates. Like I'm sure you remember the Darcy Lange, Josh Demas, like, 03, 04 arena cross dates, and this kind of reminds me a little bit of that.
0: 100% uh me and Jeff were just on the on a call about an hour ago laying down all of the names just like the the who's who of arena cross in a series that um it just seemed like every single every single race had uh the standout guys guys that were known for getting into it with each other uh but the racing was always good and so many characters you had Pedro Gonzalez uh Hag Seth, Chad Johnson, Isaiah Johnson. Uh not related at all by the way. Um to so many guys that would uh would come and go and put in really dominant rides and uh that was right at the cusp of like uh two stroke four stroke um like you had Buddy Antonez ripping it up, you had uh uh you had the like the kawasaki team with darcy land he came in through and he's racing 125s and 250s and like they would double class it for the longest time that was the coolest thing um mm-hmm. there's so many great things about the old arena cross series we could do a whole podcast just uh just on just talking about specific topics about that stuff and i, I like uh showing uh the the spotlight on an arena cross series um it's it's tight racing it's uh, it's almost like I don't want to say backyard racing, but a lot of these guys, like these are, this is not your top flight Supercross pros. These are not like the absolute pinnacle of the sport, but these are guys who are are scratching and clawing for everything that they have in the sport of motocross, and that produces some hungry racers. And uh, yeah, I I, I uh, um, can't say enough good things about the series so far. It looks cool. Looking forward to watching more of it on MAV TV and uh, where else, wherever else you can find
1: it. Yeah, same, man. The, the guys that are, that are like, what, top six, seven, eight, they're all super good. And that's one of the cool things about the ATC Subside Squad is that, yeah, they have this incredible pit, pit presence. We're partnering with them to give fans an experience that is second to none, um, all this great stuff. But they're also talented, fast riders that can, you know, get a win like we saw this past weekend. So uh, that that's the exciting part, man. I can't tell you how much... It sucks when you get, like, you know, hype in a series and you see that, you know, only the top two guys are fast. Everyone else is kind of like whatever. You know what I mean? Like, this is actually a series where a lot of the dudes are are extra quick, so it it makes it that much more exciting. So I'm pumped on it.
0: Me too, man. I, I I can't wait to see what happens with it um, going down the line. Of course, there'll be two rounds in uh, in 2020 and then it really kicks off in 2021 where uh, there'll be a number of rounds after that. I believe there's six more rounds after uh, we turn the page into 21, 2021, which apparently is when COVID stops. I don't know if you know this, but... December 31st, 2020 at midnight, this whole thing washes away. We don't have to worry about it anymore. But that aside, um, what are some of the things that you and Jeff want to try to execute and, uh, and, and get done together and, and really give those who participate in the intern program with the collective experience that extra special uh, treatment and just allow them to, uh, to really uh, enjoy themselves?
1: Yeah. So, so that's a cool thing. Jeff is really big on like, like I said, partnering and giving back to the people that support him. So um, Jeff really plans to make sure that every intern that comes through, as long as you're, you know, helping out and carrying your own, your own weight and really, really there for the team's well-being, that he's going to get you the connections that you want. And I, I, you know, as well as anyone else, Brad, it's, it's all about like who, you know, and who knows doing the sport and having those connections are invaluable. Now I know I've got I've some people who come through that are like, Hey, I don't want to be a mechanic, but I would love to be a social media person. Boom. You know, here's a connection to this top-level rider who's looking for a social media person. Or, hey, you know, I'm looking to become a team manager one day. All right, boom. Here's a team manager for this high-level team or this one guy who owns a company now. He used to be a team manager. He's going to be your mentor. Here's his contact. And here's a a person for you to kind of spitball ideas back and forth with to learn from. Uh, and the list just goes on and on, and um, that's what Jeff really wants to bring, and what I'm excited to bring to the to the team as well and I mean, they're going to have the chance to do some really cool stuff. All the sponsors that Jeff has on board are really great people, and they really want to make sure they take care of each intern. So, I mean, you're going to get the swag bag. You're going to get the hands-on experience, the photo, be part of the Instagram, helping out with uh, sponsor engagement. So you're really getting a full breadth of what it is to be an industry person at each different level or each different station. And uh, like I said, it's a two-day program, so you're getting even more bang for your buck, and we're actually going to be able to – um, everybody that enters in the cross side is going to get um, free entry, so their their entry form is waived for the cross side. So it's even better, even more value-packed when you sign up with these guys. So, uh, I'm, like I said, I'm really excited, and I really wish that they had something like this when I was 18, you know, 19, trying to get into the industry. I really wish I, I had a program like this to hop into. So. Um, I just want to make sure that everybody that comes through, it just they get tremendous value out of it. They fall in love with the sport even further, and they get connections that they just wouldn't be able to get otherwise.
0: I love it, my friend. And on top of all of that, the more bang for your buck, all the experiences in the world, the cherry on top is spending two days with the absolute comedian – that is Jeff Crutcher and all of that he like the guy is just he's just a a rolling hit parade. Like you won't you won't get a word in edgewise as far as conversation is considered. But like I called him up earlier today. He answers the phone pretending to be Big MX radio, asking who's on the line. Like the guy is just (laughs) one thing after another. I absolutely love it. Like, uh, the guy, like I consider myself to be the funniest person I know. I know my girlfriend disagrees with that as she's staring at me right now. Very, um, like she's, she's, she's disagreeing wholeheartedly. Uh, but that aside, um, I think Jeff has gives me a run for my money. I know my girlfriend does not. Uh, but, uh, yeah, what can I say? (laughs) I'm in big trouble right now. Um, but, uh, on top of that, and just, I, before we move into kind of the, some, some news stories and giving our take on a few things is I want to, I want the people who are listening to understand that when Dave creates the experience and when he executes this, like this is, this is like, this is a ultimate fan experience, the collective fan experience for the ultimate fan Built by the ultimate fan. We're talking about an individual, Dave Dave Drakes, good friend of mine. Good people. I don't know him that well, but I hear he's good people. Is just an absolute <laughs> fiend for motocross. You you love the sport. You love everything about it. You love the the history of it. You love uh, the characters of it. You champion these privateers that you love so much, and and you the, you build the you build an experience that, like you said a few minutes ago. The 18-year-old Dave Drakes would work weekend shifts, overtime, what have you, whatever it would take, to to have this program and be able to enjoy it. And that's what I think people need to understand when they when they are they going to get value is the fact that this program is built around. If if Dave Drakes took on this program, if you took part in it, would you walk away satisfied? And I know that's always the case when it comes to uh, to what you want to execute. So uh, like. Um, although you're your own, your own biggest critic uh, you're all like you're your own biggest measuring stick in that in in that respect my friend uh, you really make sure that uh, the the I's are dotted the T's are crossed
1: oh yeah definitely I mean you, you said it well and um, that's, that's one thing that I think really <laughs> that, uh, that separates like this program from other programs is that um, it, like you said I'm, I'm a super fan of sport I always look at it as like hey if I'm, you know, me, Dave Drakes, and, and I'm just, just hearing about this program and, you know, I want to be a part of it, what are some of the hurdles? What are, what's some of the feelings that might hold me back? What would I want to feel like, hey, I'm included in this? Um, what would I expect from people in terms of ho- hospitality? What would make me feel like I was, you know, really accepted into this this world that I hold at such a high regard? Um, and I kind of work backwards from there. It's like, okay, I want to make sure that everybody feels like from the minute they click, said, you know, buy or send on, on the website you know that I have great correspondence with them that they feel like hey you're already part of the family here's a step-by-step so like you know you, you're not going there blind uh feel free to contact us at any time here's the rider's contact you can get familiar ahead of time so I really want to make sure that I foster great relationships and that I, I carry them every step of the way up to a certain point of course um but yeah I mean, like, like you said I'm, I'm just a super fan of the sport and I curate this for super fans and um, I think it gives me a great perspective and a great heads up, you know, over some other industry guys who might be a little jaded, who might be a little bit – um, have, have a few degrees of separation from what that feeling was like when they were, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, what have you. Um, You know, after years of racing professional, like, you know, they get kind of like, ah, whatever, it's just motocross, supercross, where I'm like, dude, this is the greatest thing in the world. We're going to make sure that we spread the love and spread how amazing the sport is to – as big of a group of people, of people as possible. And um, yeah, kind of just take it from there, man. But yeah, you nailed it right on the head. I, I definitely try to separate this from, from other ones just by being just so enthused about what we do.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's built by uh, a fan for fans. And uh, and with that, let's turn the page to what I teased about 20 minutes ago. Um, maybe 10 minutes ago. I, I lose track of time so easily here. Uh, but the sad news comes down, uh, Was I guess it was last week, uh, JGRMX yeah. closes its doors. A team that was uh, was launched in 2007, started racing in 2008, and then they won their very first Supercross with their probably, um, other than James Stewart, their most high-profile athlete that they ever had. Uh, I guess you could argue uh, um Barsha in there as well um but mm. uh, they they win that uh, opening Supercross, with and they, that, they absolutely yeah. come out like a house on fire uh and and from there uh I guess a comedy of errors is the wrong word because it's not funny the way it all came came together uh but it, it just it they like like uh Steve Mathis said it was like the the stick of dynamite blowing up in the coyotes' face over and over for this team like just when they 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 had all their ducks in a row everything seemed to be ready to ready to rip and they were going to do really special things things in the 450 class or the 250 class injuries uh antiquated 450s that are kind of behind the times people don't want to be on the motorcycle when years previous people are clamoring to be on that motorcycle uh in ken Roxon switching to suzuki uh and then obviously james stewart and leaving their team to be on a suzuki they end up having suzuki's wrong time uh at, at one point they had ben LeMay and sean borkenhagen riding for them at a particular race i believe that's 2008. um but it, it's just it, it it never seemed to work for jgr uh oh always hurdles um which so many times like this is my my take on this whole thing is when they came in everyone's like this is going to be easy for them like they are the supercross they're they're a nascar team supercross is going to be so easy for them to figure out and be successful at mm-hmm. and and they just never were able to make that that transition like they took over yamaha's factory effort for a while then they moved to suzuki's factory effort for a while um and uh yeah it, it just uh suzuki kind of lowballed them on a price uh i think they're sort of pulling out the support of North American off, off-road racing in general, which is, I think, a mistake. Um, they were given uh, – they gave uh, JGR an operating budget less than a quarter of what was necessary or what was agreed upon the year previous. Um, and, and like JGR has never shied away from spending money or doing things, uh, shouldering a lot of the, the load themselves. Uh, but not being able, not getting the the financial support from the OEM like that, like a, like a thirty a three hundred thousand dollar deal versus a one point three million dollar deal, uh, the previous year, like uh, Dave, that, that that's that's not something that you can you can really uh, entertain as 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 far as. Uh, um, as a as a race team like you're you you're forced to do go too many things out of pocket or at the last minute go out there and try and find advertising dollars that are not there um and um, I I think maybe at one at some point JGR can come back uh, in, in the with if, if the the time is right or the um, the situation's right. But uh, it's a super it's a, it's a huge bummer for me to see them go because I think they were a step in the right direction for the sport. And um, but of course they came in right uh, right before the bubble burst uh, with the whole uh, the the downturn of the common economy back in two thousand and nine. So. Uh, that's just my whole take on it, but wh- 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 what did you think?
1: No, I kind of echo what you said. I mean, it's definitely like a, a, a punch to the stomach, you know, especially since we've been seeing teams like fold. Like we, Geico is not no longer there. Um, think about the numerous factories that we've seen fl- kind of like fold up in the last couple of years, you know. It's, it's, it's almost concerning. Now, if this was JGR by itself, um, you know, and we, we haven't we had have, like the last five or six years of just everyone being constant, teams, you know, staying where they are, it might not have hurt so bad but because, you know, if this is another pretty major team that's folding, it's scary, man and and, and the people at JGR were very likable and I think they came in uh, with, like you said, such a flair, they had Josh Grant um, come in and win their, their very first Supercross race, um, put them on the map. His only win, by the way. Of, yeah, they've been kind of chasing that, 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 that excitement again. You know, they kind of caught lightning in a bottle for the first one, but they couldn't replicate it. So, um, yeah, I, I it, it, just sucks, man. It really, it really sucks because they, they did things the right way up to a point. So like they had all the resources from this, from the, the NASCAR side, they had their own shock dyno before, you know, people had shock dynos. they had a full service support set up on top of what they do for their, for their professional riders. Um, they were They were treating this like a very high end professional team, which was kind of refreshing, you know especially at the time um, But I just think them choosing the manufacturers that they did when they did it, it ultimately hurt them and and you saw they they were on you know Yamahas when they were pretty cool for that first year, but then they went to the you know the the reverse engine and it sucked and they had that for a long time. no one liked that bike even you know factory people didn 't like that bike um. And then they went to Suzuki, right when Suzuki was kind of on the outs, you know what I mean? Like maybe two seasons after it was actually, you know, the the right bike for that job. And um, I don't know, It it, it just, it's such a bummer because that was – they offered so many guys so many rides, and they seemed like they were very rider-centric. So they had, you know, Phil Nicoletti always supporting him, even though they really didn't have to. They had, you know, they housed Alex Smart They had a, a bunch of young guys like Lopes and Teasdale – um, they had Weston Pike on their, their squad for a long time. Justin Barsha. they had Stewart for, for quite a stint. And, you know, all these all these great names, um, it, it, it's just such a bummer they couldn't make it happen. And it seems like every year they were just struggling so bad, and last minute they'd find some random title sponsor to, to come in and make things happen. And then the next year they're kind of right back where they were. Um, and it, it, it's tough, man. You know, it makes you wonder, like, what would happen if they said, you know what, we're going to go with KTM, you know, and like maybe 2016, 2017, they said we're going to stay or, you know, we're gonna KTM or Husky from here on out and see what happens. I, I, I can guarantee you they'd probably be a lot farther along. They'd probably be able to hire, you know, some, some bigger name guys that were a little bit more consistent that can deliver the results that they were looking for on a consistent basis. So um, it, it just, it just, it sucks, man. I really wish they were able to work it out and it makes something happen, but I guess it's the name of the game. Uh, you know, when one, one team closes, hopefully another one pops open that can maybe see some of the shortcomings that JGR had and maybe fix those and, and start up anew and um, you know, kind of go from there. But, you know, it, it says a lot when a when a, an outfit that is used to the NASCAR scene comes into our Janky Little Sport of Supercross and they still can't make it work, oh man, it's just it's a little it's a little gut wrenching to think about what the future of the sport has for everyone.
0: Yeah, and you know what? Um, Jason Wygant touched on this on his uh, uh, amazing Weed show that he does, where he taught he walks with a a GoPro back and forth and sort of tackles uh, news stories uh, or gives race reviews. Um, like he said, "Oh, don't don't uh, put this on the the marketing team from JGR. You have to know and understand that trying to sell the sport." Uh, and the side of a a, a semi slash uh, uh, the shroud of a motocross bike uh, is so much harder and 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 such a more difficult, like such a more different deal than it was um, pre big data. And, and the fact that like these companies uh, can spend a quarter of the money and get more return with just Google AdWords nowadays than they could. Uh, and something that's trackable, and something that you can get analytics for, and all these all these types of things. Um, but like, I to me that all I like, I'm, I'm listening to that and I'm like, and he has a point that totally does agree. And the the monopoly of search that Google has is something that is totally something that uh, is is has plagued the the motorsports industry. Uh, it, it, there's a a famous saying that says. Uh, I waste about half of my marketing budget. The the problem is I don't know which half, and um, and maybe the the analytics and, and that sort of stuff um, does sort of um, um, add value a value where a shroud doesn't. But I tell you this, like uh, stuff, uh, something like say simple green. Um, like simple green is such a, a, a brand where like they, they, they were on the, on the side of pro circuit Kawasaki in 2002 on the shroud. They were there for one year. And I would challenge you that if every time you see that in the store, you don't think about that one year that they sponsored the team with, with, uh, with Brownie and Matt Walker. and, And I believe, uh, uh Eric Sorby's on that team who else pro circuit that year I'm trying to think can't um but you know what I mean like that like that it, it yeah. immediately sticks out in your mind and at least it yeah. does to me and I think that hap- that that's the case for a lot of other motocross uh, plants even like blimpy Subs Blimpy Subs was the, was a it was the 125 class uh, uh sponsor for uh Factory Suzuki for one season. I'll always remember mm-hmm. it, and like I think there's brands that uh, that they they don't buy into that, or they, they don't see the value in that longevity of how long that that logo is going to be continued to be shared and and uh, and remembered. And honestly, I think this is something that I'm just certainly guilty of, and I know that the motocross is guilty uh, uh, series is uh, the motocross community and the industries is uh, is is bad at. It's asking for the sale. And, uh, and, and being that top flight salesperson that can make those deals. Like I just, if like I used to sell classical, uh, uh, radio advertising for a classical and jazz radio station at the age of 24 years old. And if I can be even remotely successful at that, then uh, you gotta be able to sell more across like the, the, the cop out that you like the, that it's just too difficult to sell or the, the, they are the the companies are having a hard time f- seeing the value then you have to sh- you have to make them see the value you have to do a better job yeah. selling it then you know what i mean like the, the 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 excuse that it's hard is not an excuse for me they they needed to have found a way to to have the right conversations with those uh fortune 500 companies that says yes these guys are who were uh we're going to put our money with these guys and because traditional advertising is still a thing. Like you still see advertising on uh, like the boards at hockey. You still see them on the side of uh, like all these, you know what I mean? Like traditional advertising is not dead, dead in the water. I like, ah. Mm yeah.
1: Yeah. I I, I agree with you, man. I mean, yeah, they, they, at one point i want to say that i i understand like where like you said use the example of like where we were talking about like hey it's hard to sell i understand that but also yeah like doing going the extra mile to sell this what this sport is this great sport of ours and and like you said you 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 go to blimpies because you know you saw years ago that blimpy was you know xyz or whatever and um i'm i'm the same way man you know i i used to love i remember i watched uh josh grant at southwick this was like years and years ago 250 class on the um the amsoil honda team and he held it wide open didn't let off the gas didn't lift at all from any three big sand corners and i thought that was the most incredible thing i've ever seen and i wanted whatever josh grant had on his bike and i remember seeing the amsoil logo and i was like dad we're only going to run amsoil because josh grant did that cool thing on his bike and blah 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 and i i'm 29 years old, I was a little kid, or young, I should say little kid, but young, and I'm still running AMZOL because of that, that cool-ass experience, or, you know, I still, um, like, the, my Al- my white Alpine Star boots, because, like, you and I talked about, you know, McGrath and RC and those guys, Pastrana, they wore the white A-Stars boots, and you know what I mean? So, I, I, I definitely understand where you're coming from, I think they, they underestimate the almost like nostalgia and like the brand loyalty that that we have we're stubborn in this sport when we find something that we like we stick with it so if it speaks to our our souls or our our wallets we stick with it you know what i mean like it's working for us and i think the only thing that i could say is uh playing devil's advocate is like how do you quantify that to a big sponsor how do you how do you quantify hey this is going to make like 10,000 people's hearts sing when when they show up and see your toyota truck in the pits Next to Weston Pike, you know what I mean. So that's the only thing I could say that I would I would argue. But then it's just you know, as a marketing person, that's your job to figure out how to make that connection uh, with, with with the the sponsor as well as with the fan base to ensure that you have some cohesion there and that it's going to be profitable for the sponsor. Um, it's tough, man, and, and I I would hope that they have you know super highly qualified people. I imagine they would obviously, um, and not just somebody's you know shot bro trying to make deals with. Fortune 500 companies, but um, it's tough, man. It's definitely, it's very, very difficult. But, you know, when you do do it right, the impact is, it's huge. It's it's definitely huge. It's just finding out a way to figure out how to show that on paper. That's the hard part, I think.
0: It is. It is very difficult. And, it, and like uh, I, I know that firsthand with trying to sell advertising uh, on the podcast. And I, I do a lot of things for you. There is trackable analytics and it, it's still difficult. You need to be able to get into the right in the hands of the right people in front of the right people and, and have a good pitch and, and, and sell them on the idea that you're going to you're going to be successful and you're going to be the one that uh, gives them the traction to make sales. But that's part of the gig. Um it bums me out that uh, um, that uh, JGR is closing its doors. I hope that at some point they come back uh, some way, shape, or form, uh, whether it be as an am- amateur motocross deal or uh, something along those lines. Crazier things have happened. Hell, uh, if you asked me five years ago if, uh, if a lot of the things that are going on in the sport of motocross right now is going on, I probably would have laughed you out of the room. So... Uh, I don't think they're they've closed the closed the book on it completely, but for right now, I think that it's uh, they've closed their doors and a lot of their guys are gonna have to go find uh, new gigs. And uh, I guess the that's where we move to next. I guess would be the smartest thing is to uh, a couple of announcements that came out today. Joey Savacchi, uh, their uh, their Top Flight 450 guy, the 17-year program, he lands at the RMC ATV KTM team. R R M C A T V M C K T M team. Too many letters in that team's uh, name, uh, <laughs> but not, neither here nor there. He is their uh, he's their lead guy uh, in a team that uh, was missing the big number four, who uh, we know had hand surgery. He's getting that thing fixed up, and there's a little bit of uh, rumor we'll talk about later on in the pod. But what what do you think about uh, um, Joey Savacchi being uh, the lead man over at uh, that team that has so many letters.
1: I think it's a great spot for Sabachi. So pretty much we know the RMA TV, um, oh geez, RMC A T V. Whatever, R-m-c- whatever. It is. ATV um, Rocky Mountain Rocky Mountain KTM. Yeah. Um, yeah, those guys, um, they have a great bike. We just saw Baggett win on it what three and a half months ago. Yeah. Um it's a solid bike. They're starting they're starting with the with the KTM four fifty. They're getting support parts from the factory. And those guys have a proven track record of getting that bike to handle extremely well. Um, you can look at tons of examples over the over the past couple of years. I don't think many people have really um, really complained about the bike setup too much. Um, and and they, they they've been an established team. I think this is a great position for Sabachi to be in. It's not a, a full factory outfit, so you know being that. You know, we, we all know that Joey Sobaccio tends to put a lot of pressure on himself. I don't think he's going to have the the amount of pressure that's going to really force him into some big mistakes. And I mean, what I mean by that is being on a, on a full factory squad and having um, all that pressure of like, hey, you have to win on this motorcycle. I think going to some something like the Rocky Mountain team is you have the the parts to help you win, you have the resources, the team, the the funding to win, um, but they are as yes, quote unquote almost like a a 1B type team. So maybe that pressure is just not as great for Savachi to perform. You know, I think those guys are happy with, you know, podiums or fourths and, you know, stuff like that. Obviously they'd like to win, but they'd be a little bit more, I think, grateful for that than like, say, uh, Red Bull KTM would be. I, I think this is a great scenario for for Savachi. He's extremely talented. He's almost kind of like trying to rebrand himself a little bit. Um he can ride that bike extremely, extremely well. I think they can get the bike set up for him, um, and, and it, it's 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 a very it's a very highly resourced team as well. So I like it, man. I, I'm I'm very much um, on board with that with that that pickup for them. I think it's going to be a match made in heaven as long as he stays healthy, and you know he's going to put the work in. He's always a hard worker, so that's not going to be an issue. As long as he puts the stays, stays consistent, puts the work in, um, gets his bike dialed, we could see a very Potent Joey Sabachi this year. Uh those, the KTM and a guy who's already really fast, that's, that's tough to beat, man. That's, uh, he's going to be a, a thorn in a lot of guys' sides this, this upcoming year.
0: I think he will be. Um, it'll be yet another, uh, factory rider in an already drenched class. Like this is, there is so much depth. Like, We'll talk about it when we totally um, preview the series with every when everyone's rides are announced. Um, but I had uh, some people texting me and tweeting me today about about Joey being a top five guy, five top five threat on a regular basis. Um, when you when you bring up the fact that he's technically on the B team of KTM, and there's going to be seven OEMs with two guys on every single, on every manufacturer, that's 14 guys. If, mm-hmm. if even he, if he, if even he's the, the best guy, like if he's the, like the number one guy, and if he's just behind everyone else's first guy, and the, on the, from the full factory effort, that places him eighth. Like,
1: yeah, it's, it's crazy. How that that it means is, he man. beats
0: AC. That means that he beats Chase Sexton. That means that yeah. he beats, uh, you know what I mean? Like he he's he's battling in yeah. there with Plessinger and I think that you you start to start exactly. to make the argument that he's those they're going to be battling for tenth spot. Um, yeah. So when you
1: say when you start saying, uh, it's you know that's uh, that's eighth place. That gap is extremely small. That's that's hon- that's like oh. tenths or hundredths oh. of, of a second. Yeah, you know you're what I splitting mean? hairs. So it's it's it split, exactly split in here. So it's even more competitive, man. It's not like he can just say like, okay, you know what? I'm going to hold it a little bit longer wide open in the whoops, or, Hey, I'm going to hit this corner a little faster. It's like, no, dude, we're all we're already maxed out. Like it's, we're fighting for like tenths or 100s, uh for, for qualifying. You know what I mean? That, that's what it comes down to. So um, it, it, he's going to have, he's going to have a battle on his hands. It's not going to be handed to him by any means, but I think this is a great position for him to be there you know, to to put himself in, in, in the right spots, you get the great results that we
0: know he's capable of. Yeah, I I think that uh, Joey has the potential to do really special things, and you know that those uh, those bikes are are up front often, uh, and the KTM's a great platform to start off with. Um, weird to see where Bogle, uh, where where Baggett, Baggett ends up. You know, he's got he's ha- he's done the surgery to fix his hand. Uh, some people talking about retirement I've even hinted at him retiring. I know he's like he his uh, facility was up for sale I think it's still up for sale um, and he's in the twilight of his career with how many injuries that he's had and the fact that he turned pro I believe in 2009 um, yeah the the writings on the wall for uh, for for his for his career. Um, whether he hangs it up is is yet to be seen but I know he has been connected. Uh, to a Honda team, the Penwright Honda team with Justin Brayton, uh, that would be a splash for that Australian team to make a signing like that, the number four of all, of all riders underneath their tent over their first full year of, uh, of competition in Supercross. And uh, I'm, I'm hearing good things about the 21 Honda. So uh, if that turns out to be true, Blake Baggett to Penright Honda, what do you think about that move?
1: I think that's actually pretty cool. I mean, I think Baggett, just like Savacci, he kind of needs, like, that refresher, kind of all out to what uh, Barsha just did by going to the gas gas team. It's like changing the color of the front fender, changing the guys around, kind of breathes new life. And I think that's kind of what Baggett's been sort of missing. So he'll have these weird sporadic, um, you know, I'll come out and and win a race by, like, 30 freaking seconds, but the next weekend, you know, I'm... Seventh, or I'm fourth, or you know, or I'm just barely making third, or something like that. So, I think it's gonna ha- have It's gonna help him to kind of, kind of hit the reset button, get back to basics, figure out what that what that lull is with this program that caused the inconsistency, and start to rebuild from there. penwright Honda team, they are a proven team. They've had brayton on their on their side for a lot doing the uh, the the Aussie races. they developed a really great motorcycle. They get great support. Um, and I think they are going to be um, pretty pretty threatening for a lot of other teams uh, when we drop the gate in, in H one. And I think I think it's H1. great for him. He, he's he's or it's, I mean, you know, it's not A one. It's H one. I'm coining it. You know, hashtag H one. Okay. Um, yeah, I I, <laughs> I think it's great for him, man. I don't see any downside to this. Um, a lot of people haven't really heard much about the Penright team, but rest assured they they have their they have their stuff together and they're capable of doing some pretty cool things, and uh, I think it's good. It's going to be a little weird to see the, the Honda with the red number four on it kind of giving us throwbacks to Ricky back in the day, but it's um, still pretty cool. Uh, I'm excited for it, and I think uh, Baggett's going gonna to do, do some pretty decent things. I would not be surprised, though, if we see this or next year being his last year.
0: I like it. I think you are, uh, you're you on to something there. I think it's, a, like Brayton, it's a string of one-year deals until he doesn't want to do this anymore. Um, his services are are sought after from good teams, um, and I, he's a consummate professional. He Zero off-track uh, uh, issues. Uh, I think he's kind of a grumpy cat to work with sometimes, just in some of the times I've worked with him as far as doing interviews and stuff like that, but for the most part nothing bad to say about uh um Blake Baggett. and uh I think that uh it, it would be a good fit for him so we'll we'll see what happens um on like staying in the the Honda sort of motif and we're we're climaxing uh and crescendoing up to uh Dave's rant in about 20 minutes from now um Benny Bloss uh after he, we just talked about the team he was on the Rocky Mountain ATV MC KTM team um, which he was there for a number of years after, with a with a bunch of uh, uh, injuries mixed in there as well uh, he changes colors for the second time in his is his career uh, and I guess the second time in 2020 uh, cause he was on huskies this last year uh, for a uh, privateer effort on the k tape uh, racing squad Um MCR Racing, uh, they're going to be on 2020 Hondas next year uh, because apparently uh, parts are too hard to find for Hondas. Uh, even though there's probably some privateers that'll be racing 21s, um, and uh, yeah, the the long-legged Bloss will be uh, will be accompanying um, Shane McElrath. As well as another rider we're going to talk about down the way, and uh, and Vince Freezy, who's been on the team since the beginning of time.
1: Yeah, man, I like this squad. I I really dig like the fact that Tony Alessi, kind of uh, similar to like JGR squad, he puts his riders first. You know, he he said in many interviews like, "Hey, I looked at, hey, can this guy be a good addition to the team? Can he work well with the other guys?" Um, He's gonna be strong in, in developing the bike, is you know, all this other stuff. I thought it was super, super cool um that he, he that he looked at it this way. He's looking at it as like, you know, what's gonna make sure that this team stays cohesive and in turn is gonna make the, the vibe a lot better, which makes the guys more relaxed, which means uh, better racing, more focused racer, stuff like that. So I think it's very smart. Um McElrath, pretty much like what one of the first round draft picks, I guess you can say. If you don't compare him to Ferrandez, um, very, I think, sought after, great, great hard worker, um, and just wants to put in great results with his motorcycle, super talented, great pickup. I think Bloss for them is really great as well. Um, that dude is almost like a Swiss Army knife rider. He can pretty much ride anything and get you a top five. So. Uh, and he's still wicked young, too, which a lot of people don't realize. So he's got a long way to, to go there even before he's even probably at his prime, to be honest with you. Um, like you said, Freezy, dude is super solid on there, and um, yeah, I, I thought they had some really good signings, and uh, I'm excited to see what happens uh, with those guys next year. I will say, it's um, it's a little weird they are staying with the 20 Honda. It's a great bike, not saying anything against it. It won the last year, a couple, you know, more than a couple, a bunch of races, but um, yeah, I thought it was super weird that a team like MCR, who has had wins in the last couple of years, um, could. Wouldn't be able to get the parts that they needed directly from from Honda. That that's a little bit weird to me. I don't know what to make. I don't know what to make of that.
0: Yeah, and like if, like I'm not gonna sit here and, and pretend like I know enough about uh the way the like the the manufacturing of of uh, things has been held back by COVID. But um, I know that. Uh, Brett Q is going to be on 21 Hondas, and his bikes are pretty much always uh, um, like just dressed to the nines. And I think he's also pretty hard on parts. And I know he rides a, a fair bit, so uh, um, one's got to think that they'd be able to uh, to get the parts. And, and one of the guys is going to be on the team uh, on the bike. So uh, with with Frazee on there. Um, next uh, next item of uh, news with MCR Moto Concepts Racing. Brock Tickle in, Josh Hill, or Justin Hill out. Um, mm. I think this is... The, I, I've been waiting for this release to come out since the day he signed him. And I'm going to cop to your comments about um, about a month ago on this very podcast where you predicted Justin Hill uh, out, off in Oregon somewhere, getting fit and looking to uh, really make a statement. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna preface these comments by saying that I like Justin Hill. I think he's a really talented racer, and I think that he has a ton of untapped potential. That uh, at one point during his career, he might he very could, very could like could have likely been a a supercross main event uh, win threat, and definitely a podium challenger, and perhaps if you really stuck to it and, and absolutely squeezed everything out of himself, he could have been a title contender in this sport. Um, but like, it seems like there's, there's two sides of the coin with, uh, with Justin Hill is he doesn't like to be told what to do, but when he tell, when you tell him what to do, he doesn't like doing that either. Like he, uh, you know what I mean? Like he, he, or like when, and, or when he he gets uh, uh, just reiterate like just basically said the same thing two different ways. Um, when he when given space to go do whatever he wants or like kind of worry about his own program, the program doesn't happen. Like um, lots of lots of Instagram of him uh, uh, riding mountain bikes and uh, hanging out with his buddies and going out the same night as a race that he didn't race and all this kinds of stuff. And that's dating back all the way back to his JGR days. Um, like I, I don't think that, uh, I, I assume that, uh, Justin Hill and Tony Alessi probably butted heads on a more than a few things. Um, the, the, the effort level has, has never seemed to be there with Justin Hill, uh, ever since uh, that one year that he, he raced with Mitch and just like he was lights out in supercross, won the title, wrapped it up early, uh, did absolutely nothing outdoors that year. Um, and then literally he is he'll if, if he's on some sort of a team this year or what or, or his own deal, he will he will be on a different team for the sixth year in a row. Like,
1: Whoa! I didn't, even, I didn't even know that stat. That's he was crazy. on pro
0: circuit, then he went to Factory KTM, then he went back to pro circuit, then he went to JGR, then he went to MT, M- MCR, uh, and then the following year, now he's off the team. Like, um, when, when, like that. That to me says that no one wants to work with you anymore. Uh, and and the, the end of that road is a privateer deal, which is, looks like is what he's going to be putting together. Maybe the the hill racing experience with Justin and, and Josh doing things together uh, is a successful one. But, like, dude, this is not good for a guy who literally 18 months ago we were talking about, like, Tampa Hill and, like, look at him challenging Marvin. He's quadding stuff and, yeah, all that shit. Now everything, <laughs> Done.
1: Yeah, that that's uh, it, it's a bummer, man. You, you know he's got so much potential. Like I said before, um, he, he's talented, and and I, I'll keep saying it. MCR is such a great team to be a part they of. Tony totally cares about about his about his guys. They've got great resources. Now go to bat say, for you. Twenty one parts. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, man, like you're making it harder for yourself almost. You know what I mean? And and I, and I, I'm a Justin Hill fan, especially after watching him um, come in Tampa. With uh, that 450 ride, he had that one-off ride in Tampa where he was battling with Muskin. Dude became such a fan of his. Um, him and uh, and his brother, just super dope dudes. Watching them ride, um, but man, it's like I hope he wasn't getting in his own way and butting heads and and stuff like that. And I really I really think that this could have been a, a great spot for him to again hone hone those skills on the 450. And start to build that consistency and, and put some stock back in your name. And instead, you know, I, I guess we'll, we'll never know the whole story, I'm sure, until he like retires or something. But it's just a bummer to see a potential like that go out the door from a team that you know could have fostered that so well for him. Having said that, I do think from a team owner standpoint, Brock Tickle is a much more solid grab. The dude is extremely hardworking, very likable, very easygoing. Um, is a veteran in the sport and, and knows how to set a bike up, knows what he wants, knows how to get great results, and is going to do that time and time again. Is he going to go out there battling for wins? I don't think so, but he's going to be that consistent guy who can get you consistent results and, uh, you know, very likable sponsors with the fans, the whole nine. I think it's a much more safer grab.
0: Yeah, I hey, It's uh. It, isn't it just poetic justice that um, probably one of the biggest stories in Brock Tickle's career, other than his 250 uh, Supercross uh, championship, is when he was racing for RCH, uh, and he absolutely got tagged by Mike Alessi, and now he's racing for Tony Alessi. I think that like, motocross has come <laughs> full full circle.
1: Yep, it's definitely it, it, it's a little bit of a weird deal, but... Uh, i'm sure that's kind of in the past it, it, it once these guys kind of hit like that retirement on almost on their way out phase all of that what bs goes to the wayside dude look at ricky uh not ricky but um actually yeah you could say ricky and james you could say uh Poto and alessi when they were at the the moto fight club a little while ago and they kind of the tensions kind of you know wane a little bit and i think that's pretty much what they have here plus i mean unless he's not really racing on the team that much anymore. So I'm sure they don't cross paths too often anyway, but I'm sure they put that whole beef behind them a little bit ago.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Like um, they, like they Also uh, when in the, in a time where uh, support has come, is tough to come by money talks, bullshit walks, I'm sure that uh, they're able to uh, kind of squash the beef and move forward. Yeah. Um, Last thing that we uh, need to talk about is uh, an announcement that um, the, uh, I guess we, uh, we, actually, before we get to the 250 class and talk about uh, maybe maybe a mistake, maybe not a mistake, and we'll let you tee off and I'll just let you have the floor on it, uh, but uh, Alex Martin, uh, also an offshoot from JGR, he's, uh, he's, he, he became rideless as of last Wednesday, I believe, or last, maybe last Thursday. Um he's back at uh Manluck Rock River Racing. He'll be on a Yamaha. Um like I think that's a like as far as support level and, and a good machine to be on, I think that's a good place to be and I think that uh um he's a professional. He's older. Uh he just he doesn't have to be um babysat whatsoever. Give him a good motorcycle and a chance to win races, and I think he'll put it. He'll put his best foot forward, and I'm w- willing to bet that that man luck Racing Yamaha is a better machine than the Suzuki that he was on last year. So he's already in a better spot.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, not knocking not the RMZ 250 of the JTR guys. I'm sure they did what they worked their magic with it. We saw him get some great starts on it. Nothing bad about that bike, but you're just starting with such a much a, a better platform with that YZ. Handles great ergos are amazing horsepower is phenomenal and that's just in stock trim now imagine you know getting your motor builder on it your your suspension sent out and getting it tailored to to, to the weight you ride oh man it's, it's going to be solid and uh i think we're going to see alex having to push it so freaking hard to stay competitive with the the star racing guys or the geico guys or the cowby guys um coming in at 21 so I think that's going to be really good for him. Um, plus, his brother's going to be on um, a, a very similar bike. I'm sure they can compare notes and talk about setup and, and you know yada, yada, yada. But I think, like you said, he's, he's a seasoned rider. He knows what he likes. He, he's not about to BS. Very likable. And he's he's been part of that squad in, in, in a little bit of a capacity um, and, in this previous year. Or so I think it's a solid position for him. I think he one of the best-case scenarios for his for the his original plan a not not folding out to be what it what it should have been so uh, i'm sure he's pretty stoked i'm sure he's really excited to put in some good results and um kind of make a name for himself but that that's one team that that really came on super late with the announcements man and it, it's super weird to me that all of this silly season talk is happening in like middle of november heading into uh into december it, it's it's pretty remarkable. But uh, one thing I wanted to ask you was, who else are they going to assign to that, to that new team? Is this going to be just a one-off with, with Alex Martin, or do you think they're going to grab somebody else? Mm,
0: tough to say. I know. Um, I kind of heard some rumblings that that's where beg was going, but that didn't really have a lot of traction. Uh, and I don't think that's the case. Um, you got to imagine they have more than one guy. Um, like, uh, John Short won't be back there, which is a bummer. He was on the Manluck team this last year. Maybe Ryder Floyd or something along those lines. Like, um, mm-hmm. usually you can get a pretty good idea of, of who might be on the team based on, like, kind of who, who's following them and who, who are they following and recently, uh, mm-hmm. interacting with on social media. That's how I sort of, that's one of the tactics I use to sort of get uh, a little bit of intel, but... Um. Yeah. Tough to say. I. I. It would be difficult to decide who it might be. Like I know Mumford is going to be on the, uh, Chaparral, uh, FXR racing Honda. Shimoda will be on PC Cowie. Uh, cool signings. Both of those guys. Good to see. Uh. Um. Geico guys landing on their feet. Um. But uh, yeah. Like they haven't released anything else. Anything else yet? But you got to imagine they've got something else in the works.
1: Oh uh, yeah, I, I would imagine so. That's a that's a big undertaking for just one Lights Rider. So I'd hope they scoop up an, at least another or maybe two more Lights Riders, or maybe um, another Lights Rider and a 450 guy. I'm sure a lot of people would would not mind hopping on that team for a very reasonable amount, <laughs> falling into COVID debacle. So um, yeah, that that's gonna be pretty. It's gonna be pretty exciting. All right, then.
0: And uh, the last item in our, on our, on the docket, uh, the last thing we're going to talk about, uh, I know I'm excited about it. We'll see. His dad uh, challenged Ricky Carmichael for a championship at one point. Uh, he raced, uh, his L-Man raced ultra crosses back in the early 90s. Uh, his, him, his dad and his, his uncle both raced pro. Uh he's been uh he had a hell of a crash about a year ago uh at straight rhythm uh as he went down in the whoops, I believe, uh broken collarbone. All is fixed. Tried to go over to EMX and race the I believe it was a two it was gonna be a two fifty two stroke. Um and uh that didn't end up working out, or maybe it was supposed to be a one twenty five. Either way, COVID put uh put the kibosh on that. Max Voland announced as uh, the official KTM 250 uh, SX rider. They'll only have one 250 guy uh, this year. So one guy on the one side of the coast. Uh, We'll see which side he ends up riding on. Probably start him later rather than sooner. Uh, But I know this is kind of a hot button issue for you. This is something that's got you a little hot under the collar, which I love because you're not usually all that uh, upset about anything. The sun shines out of... uh, of (laughs) Just about every uh, um, everywhere and every crevice when it comes to Dave Drake's, but this one's got you hot. So I'll just let you uh, speak on it for a minute here.
1: Yeah, no, I mean I'll preface all this by saying I think Max Fallon is a is a great rider. I was there at Straight Rhythm when he showed up on a Super Mini and when he showed up on the 125 and was extremely fast and was laying down some of the faster lap times as a kid just moving up to a to a full size bike. So I I think he's phenomenal super quick he's got where comes from a great racing pedigree from his his dad his uncle and i think he has the potential to be one of one of the greats this is just as much potential as any other one of these guys you know what i mean i think they are moving him up entirely too quick this dude just got on 125 literally what maybe a year and a half ago and he, he just got off of a 125 schoolboy title at loretta's now this is it wasn't a 250F. It was a 125 two-stroke title, pretty much a super mini with really big wheels, and uh, they're calling him up to the to the the pro ranks already. I'm like, are you kidding me? And not only that, he's the only guy in KTM. That's just not a smart move to me. That screams desperation from a from a squad that you know has a shit ton of money, dude. Like you telling me that KTM can't find a couple couple hundred grand maybe to to foot another another. Uh, 250 F rider? Like, come on. And, uh, why, you know, why would they pick Max Volan over somebody who's race proven? Why wouldn't they go after, like, a, a Amart, who's, who was, um, you know, released from, from the JGR deal? Why wouldn't you want to go after keeping a heart ramp or something like that? You know what I mean? That, to me, that just, like, it just doesn't seem like the smartest move, unless they've got their super money savings from picking this young kid, who I'm not even going to get into the whole subject of how the hell did he get his pro license. Um, yeah, like, it just doesn't make sense to me. You know what I mean? This, I, I don't want to wish ill on anybody, but I have a snagging suspicion that he's going to wad himself up even before H1, and then he's going to, you know, either have to miss the 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 West Coast rounds because I feel like they're going to try to stick him in the West Coast, and he's going to get get himself hurt, probably going to have to make it to the, to the East Coast, and then maybe a race or two in he's going to wad up in the whoops or something and knock himself out until we go outdoors. So I I just don't see this going very well. And obviously, I hope I'm proven wrong. I hope this guy comes out and and does phenomenal and makes me eat my words. But he's 17 years old. He's like, what, 6 foot, 120 pounds, not much man-meat on him. He's going to get knocked around by a lot of these guys. I don't know, man. I don't think it's the smartest move for a kid who hasn't even raced a a B class on a 250F yet, you know what I mean? To me, it just – just not a smart move by uh, by KTM. I'm, I'm not too stoked with it.
0: I know you're not. I but I also think that um, like the way this kid's been in the pipeline and the 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 promise that he's shown is uh, I think he's he's certainly earned the ride. I think uh, my only hope is that they give uh, they give like the utmost. Like, give this kid about as much of a leash as possible. Like, I'm talking, uh, first year, don't expect anything inside, uh, the top, top eight in an outdoor, and don't expect anything inside the, uh, like, I don't know, uh, like for Supercross, top ten, I'd honestly, I'd probably, like, in any other year you'd see him get held out of, uh. Of Supercross. I don't think he's ready for the damn thing. Um, but, uh, and I don't know, I also don't know how he got enough points to turn pro having not exactly. raised enough futures or I like there's some sort of weird scenario going on there. Uh, that's the AMA fast tracking things that, uh, the way they always do. And that's awesome. We love it. Um, but you know what I mean? Like if they give him all the yeah. time in the world to develop, no problem. Like no pressure, yeah. kid, go out and ride. But too many times, I talk to guys like uh, like Blake Wharton. I talk to guys like Tristan Charbonneau, and you name it. And they're they have expectations out the ass, and that like, and not to say these kids aren't used to having to produce on race day. Obviously, they they show up to. Um, Loretta Lynn's needing to have the week of their lives once a year, every year, and they have to be on their game. But um, I don't know, man. I think that they need to give this kid every benefit of the doubt. Let him uh, progress. I hope. I hope that at least it's a two-year program, if not three. Um, and by then, at least he's 18, 19 years old, and, and he can assert himself, and you actually sh- you you find out what you have. Because, um, yeah, it happens way too often where these kids, they get uh, thrown to the wolves. Uh, They they need to, they're expected to go go top three right away. Uh, And they go right over their heads. All of a sudden, uh, a couple of broken collarbones and a torn up knee. uh, And you're out of the sport in 18 months. And you spent 18 years getting there. And uh, in the blink of an eye, it's it's done. And it's a sad story.
1: Yeah, I agree. And one thing I'll probably disagree with you on is I don't think that he – I don't want to say deserves the ride, but I don't think he is quite ready for this position. And I only say that because usually when people move up, they've either – they've mastered the – they're at the top of the class that, they, that they're coming up with. So I'll say, um, you know, like uh, Sal Robertson. He was one of the fastest guys, one of the two fastest guys – of 2020 at Loretta Lynn's him uh, and Schwartz, those guys are ready. They're racing the A class. They've been riding the, those bikes very well. They know how to handle the machines, and they're at the top of the class. The guys that are in Max Bolin's, I guess, age range or ability level, we haven't seen them right against these guys. He was in, a, in, a, in the 125 class while they were in the 250B. I'm looking at the, 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 the um, Levi Kitchens. Uh, the Nick Romano, Matt LeBlanc, um, Jet Reynolds, the, these guys that are extremely fast, extremely capable, those are kind of in his age range. We haven't seen him race those guys. And I, and I can almost bet you those guys would give him all they can handle at any given amateur race. And we, we're seeing those guys stay another year still in the uh, in the amateur ranks. And I don't know. I just don't see this as a – a very, I'll say it again, a very smart move. I think this guy would be next long would be so fast if he gave himself an extra, give him, give him one year on the 250F racing amateurs just to hone his skills a bit more, maybe to bulk up and really figure out how to handle this 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 new four stroke he's got. Um, but again, I hope I'm proven wrong. Maybe these guys have been training in some see remote location on 250F for the last year and a half or two years or whatever and the guy's going to become a complete animal uh but my money's on it's not i i don't think we'll see this guy last until supercross season without injury
0: yeah hey I, i hope you're wrong too but uh and that's why we race these races to find out uh the answers to uh this uh sort of introspection and and the speculation on what's going to come uh, and it all starts off on January 16th, Houston NRG Stadium. Looking forward to possibly being there. Maybe not. I don't know. Travel restrictions say no right now. But uh, COVID, uh, like, uh, I, I'd like to stay cautiously optimistic. Uh, but uh, I guess we shall find out. Um, Dave, if people aren't, are not already following the collective uh ex on instagram they're missing out if they're not following your personal at d drakes 175 on instagram well they're not missing out but that is where they can find you um and uh yeah man keep uh keep on keeping on and i appreciate you making some time for the podcast and uh and continuing to do so as we look forward to the 2021 supercross season
1: yeah man this is super exciting and um i'm amped, always going to be here to uh bench race go over some uh, some cool inside discussions some behind the scenes stuff and uh yeah get everyone informed
0: love it my friend you have a great rest of your evening don't hang up just yet but for podcast sake we're gonna cut it off right there